Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 93 for Tuesday, January 26th. I'm Alex Uwe here today with Farbod Markazi, Alex Rudy, Ray Estrada. How you guys doing? Doing good. Yes. Yes. All right. Nice, speedy, to yes, the point. Indeed. I'm doing good, Alex. Did you? That for some reason, hearing hearing my that name, threw me off. it throws me off so much. Nobody calls me my name. <laughs> don't do that again. I don't like that. <laughs> I didn't like that. Any anyway, we are. Uh, I I like that. Nice and speedy. Yep, we're good. Nobody cares. Let's let's talk baseball. We should do that every time. Uh, there's there's quite a bit of stuff to talk about today. We're gonna have the bulk of this podcast be around the probably one of well one of the main news stories today which was the collective bargaining agreement um rejection on the mlb players union side they rejected a proposal uh from major league baseball asking for universal dh and expanded playoffs in conjuncture um that isn't happening so the universal dh seems unlikely for this season and uh, there's a lot of implications that go along with that news. So we'll talk about uh, each of those things uh, in a bit more depth and in, in what that means for the player side and for Major League Baseball and all that. Uh, I think a little more natural starting point would just be to cover the news from the past week, though. A lot of signings and trades that were kind of out of nowhere. Uh, some, some smaller ones, but definitely some, some bigger deals um, that kind of came out of left field. Let's start with the biggest one. Not so recent anymore, but George Springer signed with the Blue Jays. He is he brought in the big money in, and our boy Farbode had had the prediction uh-huh. on the nose. Do you do you want to go ahead and, and take it from here, Mister Mister? Uh, I don't I don't know. Profit? Are you a profit? Is that what you are? Cheater. Well, Cheater. What, what, okay. The, the, I'm. What am I supposed to like take it further? I got it right. Um, so if you want to be right listen to my predictions um yeah no the full year contract money um team i got it right Uh, i was gonna i was gonna ask you what what it was he he got he got six years 150 million dollars 150 yep (laughs) that's that's the 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 main thing i wanted you to to cover uh but hey you got you You got it right on paper (laughs) we'd go find the cut of him uh saying that and insert it in but uh we're not that fancy nah probably probably not gonna do that but uh we're a low maintenance podcast low maintenance it is big for the blue jays though overall and you know one thing that was really interesting about that this kind of ties in with another another signing was that same that same late night or early morning uh, you know whatever whatever time that was right around when the springer deal was announced uh, Michael Brantley uh, was also reported to su- and to have signed with the Blue Jays. It was a false report. He did not, in fact, sign with the Blue Jays. He did sign with the Astros, though, a uh, two-year, $32 million deal uh, to go back to Houston. But that was just weird timing. Like, people thought the Blue Jays were going off. They got to, like, the two biggest free agent outfielders, and people were freaking out. And it was just another another fake-out. And, and yeah, by, like, such, by was, verif- yeah. more verifiable sources, too, not the... Uh, not the the dr uh media circuit that's that's tweeting fake rumors and stuff all the time like there were legitimate blue jays um beat writers on this and (laughs) and it was wrong so they they got george springer though which is probably the bigger one that was it was such a weird timeline because it was with the springer news the toronto people had it first like a long time before anybody like any of like the passons or rosenthal's got it and so like it was like oh wow a lot of guys got beat and then they tried to do it again with Brantley and then it was like wait hang on a second I think they're wrong on this one it it went from Brantley has agreed to no there's not a deal in place but Blue Jays are the favorites to he's resigned in Houston within like five hours it was it was I was I was honestly pretty happy when I um, thought of the possibility of two um, Astros outfielders going to a different team. Um, but you, 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 you win some, you lose some, I guess they're hitting 500, which isn't, isn't terrible by baseball standards, but that's pretty bad from a, from a reporting standpoint. 
I also, yeah, I mean, I honestly thought both of them would have been gone. Obviously, I predicted um, Springer to leave, but I also thought uh, Brantley would want to go just because he was never there during the 2017 thing, and I know the Astros are going to get a lot of crap for it again this year and for, for the foreseeable future. So I thought he would just want to get himself out of that situation to uh, to a place where he won't have to deal with his teammates or him, his fan base getting like getting so much criticism. Yeah. I, you know, we can't read his mind. You never know. He, it's, it's still a good team that he's on two years, 32 for, for somebody like him. That's pretty good. But George Springer, um, you know, he's not, he's not a young buck anymore either. He's, he's 31 years old right now. If, if I'm correct in six years, 150 million, that's, that's a lot of money a lot of years for somebody that age. And you think about like DJ LeMahieu getting significantly less money, but you know, had a much better season in, at least in the short season. And then, you know, since he's been with the Yankees overall, um, just kind of, uh, kind of interesting where, where all these, uh, these valuations are landing here. Uh, you have anything else to say about Springer or Brantley, uh, before we move on? I just want to say that I don't think he was much better than LeMahieu, but it, the difference in the average annual value that they both got is kind of drastic and surprising. Oh, I said LeMahieu's better than, than yeah, Springer, which yeah. is even weirder to I, me. But I'm saying I don't think he was much better, and that was your wording. I mean, he was, like, last, last year. All, was, all of his success come when he's known what pitch is coming. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, got him. Yes. Uh, we got a few more. Let, let's do the smaller ones first, um, and then we'll get to the Yankee stuff because we always we, the Yankees are always uh, a big topic of discussion. But Brad Hand signed with the Nationals. Uh, it's kind of unexpected. Garrett Richards signed with the Red Sox. Uh, the return to where he suffered his first major injury uh, back in the day. Very, very ominous. Wait, Ryan Zimmerman's on here. What did... What's Ryan Zimmerman up to? Nationals. He he. Ryan Zimmerman's <laughs> playing baseball still. Cool. I thought he retired. Good for him. <laughs> no. All right. Cool. Uh, Kike Hernandez also sided with the Red Sox. That's a fun one. Kike and Fenway. That that could be a fun one. Um, but yeah, all of these like pretty inconsequential moves. Might be might be good. Pro far back to the Padres. Yep. There's another one. Pro, that, and now, that, that was another one that's like, oh, we're, I guess they're not going to get pro far back when they made all those moves. And uh, and they did. You do the Red wrong. Sox... Now, now do the Red Sox assume that Kike, signing Kike away from the Dodgers is supposed to add to their return on the Mookie Betts deal to make themselves feel better? Yeah. I mean, whatever makes them feel better. <laughs> Kike for Betts, who says no? Uh, well, anyway, I say no. I please no. Uh, <laughs> all right, we're, we're talking about the Yankees again because that's that's our favorite thing to do here. Uh, they made a very unexpected trade. Uh, there were there were rumors about it that popped up, and then it happened pretty soon after. But they traded for Jamison Tyone from the Pirates. Uh, they traded four prospects away. Who, the highest one I believe was like fifteenth in the Yankees organization, some pretty low-level prospects from the Yankees for a really good but injury-riddled pitcher. So the Yankees are going all in on the uh, the risky health uh, status pitchers in this offseason. Uh, and then they also did a little salary dump of their own. They traded Adam Adovino away, who was a big relief pitcher, signing that they had um how many years ago was that that they signed him now um two years ago before two years ago um yeah but they traded him away to the red Sox, and i i think kicked in like more cash or like a player to be named later too is it was pretty much a straight up salary dump uh to free up that eight million dollars or so that uh that autovino was making so rudy it's, it's your time to shine what 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 do the Yankees do now with with the super high risk high reward uh, mm. deals that they're making? 
I think uh, I think you definitely see a couple more moves made because considering the fact that they traded Odovino as a salary dump, um, I think that means they have about like fifteen million or so they should under this the uh, tax, which they're right or wrong treating as a hard cap this offseason. Um, presumably about five million or something that that looks like it's going to go Brett Gardner, which uh, I, I don't really know. I mean, past like pure uh, nostalgia, which I'm totally in for, doesn't make a ton of team sense, but whatever. Let's just so I think hopefully they'll sign another reliever for about you know ten million or something. Um, there's definitely some good guys like Kinsler type guy who are left who could probably snag. Um, and if that's their offseason, that concludes it. I, mean, I feel like Cashman did really well under the constraints that he has. And I, I think the, I guess to really answer your question, I don't think the rotation is quite as high risk as it's being portrayed just because they have so many arms that they could slot in. I, I, I'm not saying it's necessarily as good, regardless of I think those rights as like the Dodgers or the Padres. But if we take away those two teams, which are clearly the best in baseball, is it really like that much riskier or like uh, porous compared to any other really good teams? I feel like it's I maybe mean, I'm just biased here, but I mean, all right, you have eight arms and probably not like only none of them except for Garrett Cole going to pitch the whole season. It's not if the other seven guys, each of them are effective when they pitch. It doesn't really. It's fine. You'll slot them in and out. I mean, I think obviously when you get to the playoffs, it's a different story, but. You know, I guess hopefully by then they'll have, you know, two other guys in form. I don't, I think between the amount of talent they have at their disposal, I don't think that, that that's really that much of a disadvantage compared to any other team uh, outside of those two that I mentioned. Hmm. So, I mean, I just adding on to that, I think, I mean, I sent this message in our group chat when this deal happened. The Yankees have four starting pitchers who combined to throw one inning in 2020. But at the same time, the guys that they have, when healthy, if like Kluber can be 70 to 80 to 90% of what he is, and if Tyon can come back and be the, the guy that he was before um, the injuries and stuff that he went through, I mean, it, this is the example of high-risk, high-reward, um, where the Yankees could have a very, very good starting um, rotation. and Or no rotation they, at all. Uh, no, that's that. So w- w- what I was what, what I was trying to get at is if they don't have um, if one of those guys, two of those guys gets hurt, they have the depth to come out. And obviously it won't be like this really good starting rotation, it, but they have the depth to come out and actually like fill in those holes when needed. It's not like they're going to have to rely on some dude from the from AAA or double A or like sign a free agent free agent to a minor league contract to like try to. um fill in that starting rotation spot they have the guys that can step in and at least be meh to somewhat good but if these guys that they have right now um stay healthy they they have a chance to be have a really good starting rotation yeah i agree in general the target is to have higher quality of innings rather than worrying about the the bulk of of innings but these guys are not assured in terms of quality of pitching either like you said they pretty much didn't pitch last year this this group of injury riddled pitchers that we're discussing so there's risk with what they they're able i I don't know i think sorry but i think that they haven't pitched last like herman wasn't hurt like it's it shouldn't maybe maybe less so but like jameson tyone like pretty considerable injury he's coming back from and you know, you, you just don't know what you get after that much time. And Corey Kluber also had time pitching, you know, even before he was just out, where he was ineffective and people were worried, like, well, is he hurt? Like, he must be hurt. He's He does not look good at all. So there's there's always risk on that front, too. It's not just like, oh, well, you know, if they go down, then then we can have the next guy up. They're, like, if they pitch and they're bad, then that's that's going to be bad too. <laughs> that's, that's part of the risk. It's not just like, they're going to be a great rotation if healthy. Uh, I don't think there's any guarantees there at all. Um, I thought that the Ottavino thing is interesting. I guess the, uh, the kind of mental blocks that, that he had been working through late in the season and um, through the, the playoffs, like the lack of trust in using him 
was not something that could be uh, fixed, you, you know, at any I think point that's really just a salary that. dump. But, you know, really, like, you, you so talked too. about what but, the yeah. Yankees have that's left to do. Time, the player has to be expendable. True, but no, you, I mean, you they, talk they, about, like, what the Yankees have left back. to do. But you you said, like, I think Rudy said just a few minutes ago, the Yankees, like, I'd like to see them get another relief pitcher uh, for, you know, around that range that Ottavito was making. Adam Ottavino was one of the yeah. best relief pitchers in baseball. That's why they signed him. And if they had confidence that they could get him back on track in that last season's, like, last month was just a really weird, fluky mental block that, you know, he would be able to, to come back from, then... Not not um, for nothing though. He had um, yeah. what he had like almost a five or six ERA last year. Yeah, he gave up like uh, I I don't want to exaggerate. It might have been something like eight earned runs in an in an inning. I, I think he had something like that. I think yeah, I think it. I saw I saw a tweet from Mike uh, Petriello today. It said you know people are gonna be scared of that, but also he gave up twelve earned runs and like eighteen and third innings pitched or something like that. Six of those were in not in innings pitched in that uh, one game. Well, that was like Blue Jays, right? So, yeah. yeah. So six of those were recorded. Were six of those half of his earned runs happened without him getting it out. So, which is clearly two, two bad. ERA it's obviously out, super bad. bad. That's bad. But out, outside of that one outing, he had a two ninety eight ERA. Yeah, I um, I I, I was I, wrong. I, I was wrong. Wrong. You you Sorry, he only makes nine million. So you're right on the salaries. So yeah. Uh, but so bearing that in mind, I would assume whoever they do sign. Even if they do, it would only be in like the five to seven million range because there's no, because like like Ray just proved starting our program like, I yeah like clearly I trust in the playoffs, but realistically, who are they getting better for cheaper than him? Um, considering I think his like la- his decline is like greatly exaggerated. Like probably there isn't anyone out there in the, in the first place if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I I honestly don't think he's like. He's he's completely fallen off. I think yeah, he had a really bad um, inning and he um, had some some uh, like a down year. But at the same time, he had a down sixty games. Uh, I think it, his the overall thing that I've heard today since the trades happened was yeah, his ERA was in the fives, but his FIP was in the threes, and um, you you expand that out over a hundred sixty two game season. He might not be one of the best relievers in baseball, but he'll be pretty solid um, for the Red Sox. So that's on one side. I also think that this. I'm. I. I just. I was kind of surprised when. I. I know it doesn't make much team sense, but. Rudy, you. You want to get rid of your your boy Brett Gardner like that? I, I, no, I, think... I don't at all. I'm just saying, like under. I. I. I mean, obviously, I want him to come back. I had him as one of my predictions for free agency, but yeah. Uh... That, Hopefully that's it's like a million dollars, I guess. Just the move. I, I think I think the team the team itself is basically saying, um, like what I've heard and what I've read today is like they can use this money to go out and do what you said of like try to find a reliever for like five to seven. It's more just and, like annoying they trade for Brett Gardner if Gardner is going to come back. Like you don't need both those guys and Talkman on the roster. So mm, I suppose when they're under forty man constraints. It's uh, uh, it's good for morale, five million for morale. Not to, not to like belabor it way too much, but do you, I guess like my question is, who in the AL has such a like more guaranteed, like more high reward rotation out there at this point? I I, I guess I'm not saying they have the best rotation, but like I I don't see like who they're competing with that says like oh the Yankees like are you know making some colossal mistakes. I mean, at the end of the day, and maybe we can finally move on. But like, when you think about who like left for who they got in, is it really that big of a difference? To me, it isn't. I, Tanaka for sure guaranteed innings, but they're getting Herman's innings back. Paxton was always hurt, and they got in, uh, you know, so a lot of high risk, high reward guys. And but they still have two top prospects as well. And King and Garcia to plug in there. I don't. I don't really like. To me, yeah. it's an upgrade. Maybe I'm just clearly just biased and blind to it. But I, I feel like the spin is like, you know, it was constrained by price for sure. But I, I feel like they, they improved at the end of the day. No, I, 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 I agree. I think. Uh, yeah. No, I I agree. I think you upgraded, but I think the term like high risk, high reward is accurate. Where yeah, you, you could very well 
be we could very well be podcasting a year from today and be like, wow, the Yankees had the best rotation in baseball, or you or like it could go completely the other way. There's there's a lot that can happen, and I think That's I don't true. do I do I expect all three of the guys who are coming off an of injury and, and Domingo Herman who didn't pitch last year um, to get hurt at the same time and miss the full season? No, but do I? Um, but it's kind of, I think it's different when you're going out there um, through a 162-game season knowing that four out of the five starters, you have to at least watch them to make sure nothing's wrong. Um, <laughs> they're, they're like, like you have to watch it a little bit more closely than being able to throw them out there for another inning, for another pitch, or, or if, if they're tired. Or, like, you just have to be a lot more careful with these guys, and that's if that's what the Yankees are willing to do. I mean, it's... It's not like a terrible thing that they went high risk, high high reward. Yeah, well, I think that's that's about it. <laughs> really, I don't I don't really have more to say about it. Uh, so yeah, the the Yankees did stuff. Is at the end of the day, that's that's all we really said. Uh, let's let's move on to our our main discussion for the podcast today, uh, surrounding first the universal DH and second, the expanded playoffs, and who stands to benefit from both of those and, and what the uh, the effects of, of making either of these changes really would be. And I call them changes even though they were both implemented last year in the shortened season, but we, we should talk about them from a full season perspective. And, uh, you know, after this year, like, who knows? There's There's a lot of possibilities. So... Let's let's start by talking about the universal DH, which has been talked about a lot. We've talked about it a lot, but it seems at this point, both sides, you know, from fan fan perspective aside, both sides negotiating here are more or less in favor of it. You know, there's there's probably certain stipulations that come along with that, but is is that a a fair assessment to make, or or, is, or are there really clear downsides for one side or the other um, um, well, that aren't present. I, I, I just want to start this off because um, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure if last time we talked about this over the last off season, I came around and I told you guys this, but I am official. I, I used to be more traditional say, I don't want the full DH. I am on the full DH side now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think this is something both sides can agree on. I think obviously this is something to bring more offense, more more entertainment to the game, and more opportunities for guys like Nelson Cruz. Like uh, I think that's something the players you know, would be down for. And it's just the, watching this season this past year, it was overall really fun. I don't think the game lost as much as I inherently thought. Like the game would lose because you're missing out on the once every couple mm-hmm. years of like the Bartolo Colones going deep, um, but. I, I think both the at least the um, universal DH is something that both sides can agree on. Yeah, and I just want to like clarify and make explicitly clear that the discussion that we're having right now is not do we like the universal DH. It's kind of looking at the player side and Major League Baseball side of the CBA negotiation, and no, I, trying I, I to know. determine. I just, yeah, I just I just to... want to make that clear because I, I feel like I didn't really say it because people's go-to reaction is like i like the dh sucks or the like i i like the dh like that's not the discussion we're having we, we've had that one before um but this is yeah more... no i just want to clarify the fact that i was against it in the past and now i'm okay. for it but, cool yeah all right good stuff um so yeah like like i asked before i'll ask you again ray are there any like are there any significant downsides to it um, that I'm missing from either perspective, be it Major League Baseball or the players' um, side I mean, of it? For the players' side, it, I mean, Universal DH is fantastic because that's 15 more jobs you have on the NL side, 15 more roles you have to fill. Um, I guess if you're looking for a downside, is that, um, that uh, more players have more value, so the owners have to actually spend money on maybe some guys like a Jock Peterson and Marcelo Zuna for more teams. Um, but no, I mean, I think it, I, I, I think it benefits all parties. Um, it's something that both 
seem to clearly want. Um, and we've talked about this before, um, even before you know today's news. Uh, it, it just keep it consistent because we all kind of view the University H as as an it as an inevitability uh, in the next CBA. Um, so to uh, you know go to it last year because of you know shortened season for for the reasons that it was shortened and then to go back to you would call it normal for one year and then to knowing that you're basically going to go back to that is is just weird so um yeah no both sides i think it benefits them especially uh, the players which i know the owners can't stand that but it works Mm -hmm. yeah I, i guess the same question to you rudy is there like where are there drawbacks that i'm missing from from the ownership side of things or or does on on this specific issue seem like one that that hopefully could be and will be agreed upon um you know in the future somewhere down the road like ray's saying yeah i mean it's clearly to me no no drawback for the owners but um but i mean i uh i didn't I mean, are any of us in, I thought that we were all in agreement, I guess, that like both sides mutually made sense for, I don't like people who are like at this point holding out or like hardcore traditionalists and uh, for right or wrong, those people's voices are pretty irrelevant in baseball at this point. So, I mean, I, I'm, I guess I'm not, not a fan of it. I'd still like to see pitchers hit, but I understand it's inevitable. So I'm not wasting energy on it. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, I guess I can rephrase the question just to be like, which side is it like is it more important for like who's vying for it harder here because the cba is a lot about leverage and i don't want to get too much into like how how each side should be leveraging um certain points of negotiation uh to get yeah to against others because that's just kind of arbitrary and and difficult for us to do just sitting here at home versus like the players and the the owners that are actually thinking about noted though that it's a priest symbolic is probably not is probably too light of a term but it's it's a pretty like for what they're really taught when negotiating over i think it's kind of an inconsequential thing where the headline it makes is worth a lot more than what it actually does like yeah it does add 15 more jobs and it does like change the product like but honestly like not i don't think it's dramatic like the average person it really doesn't and it really, I don't really think the DH has like a dramatic revenue effect on the game uh, at this point. I mean, there, mm-hmm. I'm sure it will increase its like watchability to like a, to an extent, but nothing like, you know, this, we're, this is a world where, you know, ESPN signed like a way smaller TV deal. They're basically going to have no weeknight um, games anymore. Uh, or MLB just lost $300 million in revenue that they're trying to auction off now. And, you know, the DH is not bringing those games back to ESPN. And so I know we were talking about this a little bit before we went on, um, but I, I, it really is just a chip on the table mm-hmm. for the, a larger for the larger poker game being played. I see. Yeah, it's not going to be a more accurate, accurate state of metaphor would be it's a pawn in the chess match. It's not going to fix every problem, but I think, I mean, going off of that, I think when you, like, the players will, I I think what you were trying to get at, at least a little bit, was the players could, in theory, um, benefit from this, like, a lot earlier and a lot more directly um, right away, but I think maybe revenue-wise and team-wise, that's more so down the road, and once this becomes base like part of baseball officially like once that's when you'll start seeing what the product um of entertainment and what the product of competition it produces when it's year after year that you can see the benefits or that the league and teams will get from it um obviously like i said i think players will benefit from it first but that's not to say that teams and leagues won't get it down the road or maybe maybe um initially either yeah um yeah it's 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 definitely like a little piece to the bigger puzzle it's not going to be like this isn't going to fix mlb's issues um but it's definitely one of the things that they have to do to get there yeah interesting that you bring up how relatively inconsequential it is 
revenue wise, because that's really at the end of the day, what's being looked at most, but how on a symbolic scale, like the legacy of baseball, it's talked about as one of the more contentious issues out there. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost just there to like, as, as a, as a piece that can be, um, displayed and and flaunted to the baseball community and fandom, um, with a lot more significance than maybe it really has behind the scenes. Can I interject for a second? Yeah. I think I really want to stress this though. I think this is really all about the expanded playoffs. And I I Mm -hmm. don't think the DH is really like, I know that's like a topic of discussion as a fan, but I don't think that's really what like any of this is about. I I think Ray yeah. was honestly saying this on the other side before we were talking this earlier, where he thinks the way the way it's being used as a negotiating tactic is with um like uh not malice, but like I can't think of the right it's word. Negotiating so bad order faith. with malice. Yeah, yeah. bad yeah, faith. It is bad exactly. faith yeah. And I think it, it really the GH I you know, I, I have to like not to be like just overbearing, but I think it's honestly irrelevant and what this is all about is is the playoff revenue that's going to go to the players and these mm-hmm. negotiations worth it for what they think they're going to lose in free agency by reducing the value of a marginal win in their opinion and reducing competitiveness. Now, I personally don't necessarily buy that they think I don't I don't I, I don't think I totally buy their logic that expanded playoffs um, automatically suppresses free agency because depending on what the playoff revenue is there might be a better incentive for teams to spend more money to get access to that revenue. Uh, so I don't know. I, without seeing the numbers, it's impossible to know who's right in this argument. But I think that's like worth laying out fully because I, I'm I really think the DH is a very small like part of this. It's really just the headline aspect of it. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, that's, um, wait. To touch on, yeah. We're yeah. We're talking about this earlier. To touch on the you know the incentive of making the playoffs to gain that playoff revenue. We had a good point of like if you just lower the thresh- threshold, then there's, then there is an incentive to not spend because you don't have to get to a, you don't have to really be better. If you're an 82, 83 win team, instead of spending to get better, you can just stay an 82, 83 win team and make the playoffs and get that playoff. The teams that are in the middle. Yeah, I think I think that there will kind always of... be tankers. This has I think no, I think the, the players are guaranteed. I could be wrong. Maybe this isn't how it works in baseball. Farbo is the expert here. There aren't the players that guaranteed a proportion of the revenue. So you can't just not spend like infinitely like that. You can't like all, you can't collectively as like the league collude to suppress wages. Cause I think that would go against any CBA. There'd be no point in there being a CBA if they did that. I haven't looked at uh, revenue sharing in a little bit, but yes, uh, teams are entitled to a percentage of like overall league and, team revenue and then players will benefit off that from from like from there mm-hmm. um i just wanted to i think that is a really good overview of kind of both sides of really just everything about how intricate expanded playoffs is from from a who benefits where perspective um and i agree with you that you know like the dh is is kind of a, a red herring it's, it's kind of just out there in conjuncture with this, but really has a lot more, a lot less weight than the expanded playoffs when it really comes down to it. And I think it's important that we discussed that first and kind of, um, you know, made it clear that, yeah, this, this expanded playoff discussion is really where the focus lies. Like anything else you see out there and having to do with discussions about the expanded or the universal DH really should be viewed as inconsequential. Um, as was mentioned, just Before. to specify really quick, because I, I did do the research to back up. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. There is no revenue sharing, and the players are actually against it. Yeah, I was gonna so say, I yeah think, revenue sharing involves salary cap. Uh, I think... Uh, no, revenue sharing is still a thing. It, it's, I mean, the revenue sharing doesn't wouldn't necessarily mean there would automatically be a salary cap, but the, yeah, in theory, it's essentially the same thing in practice. But I, I guess just to include my thoughts, I think the, the players are kind of stuff between a rock and a hard place because it's like it's very clear by just watching uh free agency and i'm sure the numbers back this up that like salaries are not maybe the highest contracts are increasing exponentially over time for sure but the overall bill like team bills are pretty clearly constrained by the luxury tax and we're gonna be entering a period where the revenue is decreased and like 
you're seeing this every offseason that the teams already in the middle don't spend anyways. So are do we I guess like if I'm looking at the players, are you really saying if we don't add more money that it can only hurt you more? That that, that I don't know. Like we, once again, like we don't have the numbers so, in front of us. It's possible to know for sure. But it seems to me like a negotiating tactic more than that is like the cold hard facts, which I'm all for them negotiating that way, but and I just don't know if the evidence totally backs it up. No, it, it does seem so that way. And I, that's, sorry, um, I'm, I just want to bring this up while it's fresh. And you, you talked about this, um, you know, in kind of, it's almost the same as the, the universal DH is to this expanded playoff discussion as this entire discussion could be to like what really it will come down to next off season. And that's what is done about free agency and team control. And, and that's that's kind of the bigger discussion and this is almost this is almost a red herring you know the expanded playoffs and the additional revenue it would bring for teams and and all that kind of stuff might just be very inconsequential compared to other um issues brought up the appetizer for sure yeah but one thing that i did want to clarify i think ray brought up before um how i had talked about how lowering the threshold for what a playoff team would be in, in terms of wins would result in in less spending i i don't think that's true but i think in a in an environment where getting your wins from free agency specifically is already very you know it's it's not it's not the meta it's it's not what teams are doing to begin with i think if you lower that threshold it would make it even worse for free agents specifically like the the teams will spend on their players you know they would they're going to be locking up the players that they think will give them the best chance to win but especially you know the the problems that are really hitting hitting hard are players reaching free agency when they're 30 plus for the first time right that's that's a big part of it and you already see teams not really investing as much in in anything less than the top tier free agents uh it in order to achieve that that playoff threshold of wins and whatever they're targeting so i think if you reduce that threshold even more then there's even less incentive for these teams to go out in the free agent market to essentially acquire the talent to achieve those wins um so i think that's where the biggest impact of it lies um, even more so than just like the additional revenue that teams get from making the playoffs, like TV revenue or whatever. I, I think that's relatively inconsequential to the players because the players would much rather um, feel more comfortable and, and um, be more confident entering free agency or on the free agent market than, um, than getting I... a, a, a small bump in salary from their team making the playoffs. You know what I mean? I just want to clarify what I said um, earlier about revenue sharing because I realized I explained it wrong. But basically, it's the players don't get the money, like you said, Rudy, but it's essentially like a way to maintain the competitive balance of the league. And teams would get a share of the percentage with, and in theory, that would encourage teams in like poorer or, or lower market lead, um, markets to get some more money, a percent of the revenue back, which would, in theory incentivize them to spend a little bit more or invest a little bit more in their team, whether that's facilities or players. Um, and I believe that playoff revenue sharing is also completely different for um, those teams. Okay. That, that is a good here, clarification. Here's the thing. Um, and obviously we can talk about this for a whole podcast and I've said more than enough, but I, I do have to say this last part is that, you know, I just think the players are wrong because salaries in the MLB have been stagnant for five years in a row before COVID, according to the AP. And that's, you know, there has been um, consistent overall league revenue increase during that period. Mm -hmm. This this article is at 4%. I'm not sure how, how accurate that is, but let's just assume that it is. And we're entering a stage where there's huge losses from COVID. And um, the chief, if the ESPN deal is... Um, telling of the future which i think it is but uh you know kind of the tv revenue is not going to just continue to exponentially increase like it did before and that you know that tv revenue explosion is why you know the you know in 2013 teams you know had those bonanzas and salaries had huge growth um and you know uh, a lot of baseball's tv revenue actually comes from the the, the local regional networks 
that's a whole complicated yeah. thing. We can mm-hmm. do a whole podcast on that. Well, yeah. as well, I don't know if that is as directly correlated with ESPN um, decreasing commitment in the national TV stuff. But at the end of the day, I think the players. I, I would argue honestly. Oh, I think Rudy cut out there uh, on oh. whatever whatever point that was. That uh, just, such timing. I, I, I have a counterpoint. I don't know if you can still hear us, but. You know, I think maybe ESPN's lesser deal might just be because ESPN doesn't care about baseball. Um, they seem to be much more focused on the NFL and college football. They've invested a lot of money in both of the in both of those ends. Uh, because if you remember, TBS signed an extension with the MLB, uh, the deal which starts in 2022, uh, seven years, so 2022 through 2028, mm-hmm. um, or 3.75 billion dollars, according to this is on Forbes. 65% increase over um, their current deal, which is mm. which was an eight-year, $2.6 billion deal. Um, so, I mean, TV deals are getting bigger. Maybe not from ESPN, because that's not ESPN's priorities, but, I mean... But at the same time, um, in how sports, like, even like how sports networks work overall, I mean, it's, it's essential for any sport to be on ESPN or like the main, like CBS and Fox, because those are the most popular, most watched and most often not like requiring a cable subscription to watch that. And while you might be right, that ESPN um, deems the NBA or the NFL as a more lucrative opportunity. It's because they see more of their fans chiming in, watching their games, watching longer um, finding an opportunity to actually uh, be uh, like make the most money off of those two leagues, and if if they don't see that with with the MLB, that that makes sense. Um, and what I'm trying to basically say here is, you're you're probably right that ESPN says, yeah, no, the NFL and the NBA and uh, some other leagues, some other programs are making us more money, so we're going to decrease our our uh, deal with the MLB and but that's the bigger problem of it that's like we need to get more people's eyes on baseball and one of the best ways to do that is put it on an ESPN rather Mm -hmm. than your um, like with all due respect with TBS people watch ESPN more smaller network (laughs) if I can can summarize it's just yes ESPN does not necessarily represent the, the larger networks as a whole just because of their you know track record with baseball but also being being on the biggest networks is is important relative to just being yeah. on getting tv deals in general want, if you want to have maybe a... mlb maybe mlb should push gspn for better broadcasters then so <laughs> maybe that's a different I mean, again nobody wants part. to watch the baseball anymore it's bad it's a bad it's a bad product again a totally so... different discussion there like yeah we, we we can do that all day. Yeah, no, we can we um, can expand this whole discussion to like growing the game or whatever. Would you know kill Rob Manfred's killing the minor leagues and stuff? But yeah, oh my, yeah. Uh, um, ex- expanded expanded playoffs are. I do. Yeah, I like, maybe irrelevant, but maybe well from from the revenue side of things, I think that is kind of where we landed. Rudy before he was about to deliver his his finishing statement there. I I do think he got the point across, though that. Like, yes, this this is important to players, um, you know, how, how this impacts the revenue. Um, but it also might not be the biggest impact on 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 player salaries, really. Like there the it might be a red herring. Um, the more important thing will probably lie somewhere uh, to do with team control and, and how free agency works as a whole. So be, before we before we stop though on this discussion I do think we've we talked about this mostly from a revenue perspective but there are other really important implications that come with the expanded playoffs especially if they're done the way that it, it was done last year like in general I think a lot of people would be fine with an expanded playoffs from what it was 2 years ago but last year it was it was not really seen as a success for a variety of reasons you, you, most people don't like having losing teams th- through the regular season making the playoffs uh, as one of them the the first round best of three series that every team that made the playoffs had to participate in 
wasn't all that competitive and also it seems really a lot more unfair over the span of a full season it seemed fine in a, a shorter season tournament type of setting and the the last point to kind of go along with with those implications is just that yeah you are bumping that from what 10 teams up to 16 teams like there's there's middle ground like why why so aggressive with the playoff expansion yeah. right away when yeah, when the result I, I is 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 the well when the outcomes that we saw from this past season were not received as well as maybe they had hoped like the maybe maybe incrementally increase it right like what's what's the point of of just going for broke and and saying like this is gonna work like 16 teams like throw them in there and we'll yeah. we'll make it work it seems that's forced not, to me that's not how it works though like they are negotiating for TV deal for those expanded game slots. Like they're not, no one's going to offer them a significant bump in money for two more te- for expanding yeah. teams or whatever. I mean, and there's a reason. I mean, quality or not quality, the other all the other sports have you know about 16 teams in the playoffs for a reason. It's to maximize revenue. Does everyone want to see the eighth seed in the East get swept by the first seed every year? Obviously not. But financially, it just makes the most sense. Most sense. And I, I don't think that this season should be used. I think it should go both ways. And I'm not saying this system that they're proposing either is the perfect playoff system. As a fan, I definitely agree with you guys. But just like purely economically, I think it, it makes perfect sense. And yeah, economically, we should just line up all 30 teams and just play uh, March Madness. <laughs> like, it, it is economic, the like business. It's it, is, not, it is economics, but at the end of the day, it's still a game we're trying to play, and it's still an entertainment product. So I think you know, okay, yeah, here the thing is, every year is not going to be COVID teams. You know, I, I don't think this year is a good quantifier for the quality of an expanded playoff team. It could be way so, worse, it could be way better, but you can't take that sample as an example of what they got lucky play. that that the, the top two teams in a league made the World Series. And in, in a bad way, I think that validates this playoff system when it absolutely shouldn't. Rudy, um, how I see this as is, one, I agree with you. You can't go add one or two more teams. You have to go for that l- larger amount, and they can't do that, and it doesn't make any sense for that. But at the same time, how I've always seen it is when the MLB added the second wild card, they said, like, people were saying, this is going to add competition. It's going to add, like, excitement and obviously the tv stuff and that was that was fun and that 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 did add those stuff but i think at some point you see you'll get to a point of diminishing returns if you try to get to six teams or like get go from 10 to 16 i don't know obviously we could uh have the expanded playoff at 16 in like four or five ten years and love it but at the same time i think you at least initially you'll get to a point of like diminishing returns of like how fun or how great is this for the sport or for revenue down the road? Can I can I ask just for a point of clarification with the the bidding for these games? Is it the there the number of games needs to be more or the number of teams involved needs to be more for it to be successful? Because well, more teams there are more games, but like there's other ways to increase the number of games yes. and not like drast without drastically like making it a two-month process obviously um i i, I just wanted I mean, it, I it is it is just the, the number game, of games in the slate i think if you're saying like make the alds uh series of seven maybe but make the it, but if you're trying to like say make the alcs or the world series like series of nine or eleven no, like no, best no. of nine or eleven like that's that's not that's not gonna be good oh no I, yeah i'm not i'm not talking sport. along those lines i mean we're, we're playing one game wild cards right now that could that could easily be converted to a, a three-game series. I, I I have a pretty clear idea of like what a, a good expand like it's it's not a sixteen-team format, but like what a pretty reasonable expanded series would be. Um, I, but the, the the thing that I wanted to say is it's important to think about the the game right, like the the differences between this and the NBA and the NFL and and what the issues will be here are going to be different than like Rudy said, watching an NBA one seed, just absolutely roll an eight seed uh, every time out there because baseball in, in more ways than, than other sports probably is a game where 
any team could win on any given day because of the the size of the rosters and the the variety of the contribution that exists within the sport. The and and if you right and and you could I think a lot more easily see huge upsets in in and specifically the way that it was done last year in a three game series when with a one versus eight seed in baseball than you would in any other sport. And at the end of the day there, that like not having the best team in the playoff in the long run or like, you know, going moving forward um, on a consistent basis might be a problem as well. Like these these are the issues that we're talking about here with baseball. We're not talking about the same issues um, with the NBA playoffs or the the NFL playoffs. Obviously, NFL is way different, but uh, I just wanted to, to bring that point up too. like we can't really compare them directly but i mean at the same time you can have like a team like the dodgers play like a lucky eight seed that finished like 82 and like 82 like 82 and 80 like we could get to that point too where it's prob most likely going to be a sweep regardless right I, but, I mean, but less day, so less so just because of the nature of the game is what i'm, I, is what I, I'm saying. I, first of all i think playoff upsets happen more often in like in, in these sports like hockey they happen every time it's completely unpredictable yeah well okay. yeah but hockey, and, hockey in a way is a lot like baseball of like but that is it is more of a random game it doesn't detract from the stanley cup playoffs if anything like a lot of people love it okay who doesn't care about hockey at all that's one of the best parts of march madness dude uh yeah so i i kind of disagree i mean ray said earlier that he didn't like the expanded playoffs because the two best nl teams or play each other, which I think is valid, but I don't think you can't. I don't see how you, you won't. Someone has to be right, or you know, mm-hmm. I mean, not you're not gonna keep everyone always happy. And at the end of the day, baseball's fandom is completely regional, so I don't think necessarily it really would be a negative detractor if uh, this like a worse team upsets a bigger team, um, in theory, because you're just having one fan base substitute for the other. Obviously, is an exception, like. I, 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 but I mean, upset as, is the biggest one isn't ideal, but I, I don't really think the upset is that big of a problem. No, no, okay. no, I'm not but, saying but, I didn't see that. But like Harbo was saying, you get diminishing returns. If you end up with, say, three straight World Series where none of the teams have won more than 86 games, then it's that's okay. Well, they can always change it if that happens, then. And really? like, why, I, change, why change it to begin with? Like, I'm not saying the upset is it's bad. dying as a, as a financial institute, it's not going to exist. That's, that's, like that's the MLB's fault. That's not. The expanded playoffs fault. You, you can play the MLB's fault in general in your life, or and let it, and or you can keep, uh, or keep it the same way and watch it decline. I would much rather make- playoffs is not why baseball is declining. There's a lot of other grassroots reasons why but baseball it's is declining. A huge contributor to the money that it lives off of. They're both they're both true statements. Um, it it there and not- again there's middle ground. Like it's not like. They're going. They need to go for broke now because baseball's dying. Like that's kind of a an overstatement. And then, you know, like on the other side of things, like yeah, baseball, Major League Baseball does need to address changes and, and improve the playoffs in some way, to uh to give themselves a chance down the line. Um, I guess the best way to put it is lost three billion is... dollars. They're going to do expansion partly to make up for that. You're saying that's yeah. not a major thing that they overcome. I mean, come on. This is a major yeah, thing no, that's sweeping over sports uh, in general. Are, aren't using losses this, as this as, is uh, this is a the NBA's sweeping... expanding to make up for it. The NFL is expanding the regular season. The NHL is expanding. That was happening before COVID. That was happening before COVID. But now it's being pushed earlier because of it. This They're is, all doing no. things to make up for. They're taking right. huge loans. I mean, if the MLB isn't going to take the loans, they have to take up <laughs> some way. Um, what it's I'm just what, so it, Ray, you're right. The playoff necessarily isn't why baseball is declining, but it's one of the main like the it's it's one of the things that has to be changed, has to be fixed, and has to be altered for baseball to make the comeback. It you can't you can't just keep everything the same and expect it to go um, to like come back. It's as much as we'd want, as much as we want it, or as much as traditional swap baseball will say the same, there have to be some changes that we're just not comfortable with or we're not comfortable with playing-wise or as baseball fans, but have to live with it because, as Rudy said, you're either going to have baseball or you're going to have a very declined MLB and eventually probably nothing. Yeah, this this uh, is I, a totally, I mean, I, I this is a totally space, uphill battle for everyone. Than, yeah, There's spaces other than the playoffs that are more important to attack in terms of, like, 
drawing more eyes to the sport. But um, yeah, it's. I, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't feel bad for billionaires losing a little bit of money. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a. It, we lived through a pandemic for almost a year now, and it sucked for everyone, especially for people in sports and, and just everybody in sports. You've lived through this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like the like at the end of the day, yeah, there, like things will get better, and. Major League Baseball does have to make changes. That I'm, I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that. I don't think it's quite as dire as they need to do this now or they will drown. Um, because like, like Ray says, they're doing a lot of other things pretty poorly. At least from from our perspectives, that uh, they need to shore up as well. Uh, yeah, and, and there's so many, there's so many more things to talk about this. With, with this, we're we're almost at an hour now. I don't want to like make this a. Uh, a marathon of a, of a podcast uh but yeah you know with with the you want the whole discussion down? about the whole discussion no <laughs> i don't um the whole discussion <laughs> about the playoffs you have to reevaluate the regular season too because they they go hand in hand you know you you talk about maybe you talk about expanding the playoffs maybe we don't run the teams out there for 162 um just to have their playoffs end after three games like it doesn't seem competitively proportional uh, there, there needs to be some sort of balance uh, that is met. So, um, I, I, I hope that we can, uh, we can revisit this discussion in the near future because uh, I think we probably all have a lot more to say about it. And hopefully, once we get a clear idea of what the season will look like uh, in terms of fan attendance, in terms of how many games are going to be played, uh, the other main point of news that we were going to talk about that I don't think we really need to dive into too much right now is um, Arizona like the the Cactus League saying that they uh, would like to delay spring training just because of how high the COVID rates are in Maricopa County uh, down there seemingly responsible thing to do we'll see what Major League Baseball's responses are they going to cram all the teams into Florida we'll see we don't really know enough now to have like a full discussion on it and um if we thought this was an exhausting discussion uh we've had plenty of equally exhausting covid discussions on on and off throughout the entire last year so as things develop with that in the future we'll probably need to talk about that more uh but right now it's just a little too early i i don't think there's anything too uh too hard hitting that we need to to dive into right now and uh yeah, I, I apologize to you guys if you had like a lot more to say on on the playoffs or on uh, the potential delay to spring training. Uh, but I I've just tried I'm trying to moderate here. I didn't want to stifle any of that discussion on the playoffs. I wanted it to to let to let it roll out and and hear and hear it at its fullest extent. Uh, if, did you guys Thank have you, any Alex. any last things to add though? I I, I don't want to just fully cut you off uh, before before we wrap things up here. Uh, no, I think we said what we said. Don't let Kurt Schilling in a Hall of Fame. Uh, oh yeah, that too. We didn't even yeah, we didn't even get to that one. I think that one also is a, is a pretty one sided discussion. I think we all agree it's a bad <laughs> idea that you voted for him in the first place, and it took him actually trying to overthrow the government to rescind your uh, vote. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank thank goodness our government wasn't actually overthrown. That's we can we can say. You're right, Alex. We can be thankful for that part, right? <laughs> God dang it, yeah, Farbode. Huh? Why? Stop. <laughs> it nails on a chalkboard. Anyway, um, that is going to do it for our podcast today. Uh, thanks to everybody who made it this far. If you did, you're an absolute legend. Uh, if you did enjoy it, make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. And if you want to let us know what you think about anything, or if you want to, like, Tell us how we did. Let us know on social media at BeatTheShiftBP, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those places. And uh, check out our website, BeatTheShiftBaseball.com. Uh, it's got all our podcasts, articles, anything else. It's all there. So, yeah, that's it for today. Also, rest in peace to the true home run king, Hank Aaron. Uh, he is he is verifiably an absolute legend and... Uh, yeah, he, he lived a good life, even better baseball career, seemingly, um, that will live on forever. That's it. Thank
Thanks, everybody, one last time. As always, Farbode. Peace.